higher education is at a crossroads. It is at the heart of innovation, yet so many questions surround this field today. Questions around enrollment and equity, student success, the future of training, the future of the workforce. The cost and value of a degree is in question around the world, and global education and its future is front and center. The FutureX podcast will be exploring these questions throughout season one of our podcast. Innovative technologies are enabling innovative practices. These practices are disrupting how people work, teach, learn, and engage. We will discuss the topics that will help us foster the right transformation. And in some cases, we will be having those uncomfortable conversations that allow diverse ideas and perspectives to continue to drive the transformation we all know needs to happen. To this end, we have invited top leaders in higher education today. Joining us this season is President Santa Ono of the University of British Columbia, President Mark Lombardi of Maryville University, President Madeline Pumarega of Miami-Dade College, President Paul LeBlanc of Southern New Hampshire University, Chancellor Stephen Gonzalez of Maricopa Community College, and Chancellor Ben Nelson of Minerva. Each and every one of our podcasts is recorded live on Clubhouse. Check us out and be part of the conversation at the FutureX Tribe. Today, we'll be having a conversation and diving in-depth with President Santa Ono of the University of British Columbia on the matters of innovating for global impact, recognizing uncomfortable truths, and the future of the workforce. I'm Hector H. Lopez, and our chief moderator is Matt Alex. Let's go to Matt. I'm so excited and I'm honored to have President Santa Ono from University of British Columbia. You know, when this series came about, you know, there was tons of presidents we could uh, speak to. And so when I was looking at the series, you know, this is about who can change higher ed, who can enable, you know, the dialogue to be really crafted for the future. And I really believe that President Ono was one of them. And so I'm really excited about that. I'm, I am really honored. The words that I really use when I think about him and, I, and I've, as I've seen people articulate who he is and market um, he's gracious, he's inspiring, he's a servant leader, he's innovative, and I will tell you that he's humble. And this is from me just watching from outside. And I think when people carry themselves a certain way, when no one is watching, is probably the most attest, uh, testament to them. So uh, President Ono, I want to first say thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much. And that was a really gracious and, and kind introduction. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you and everyone on stage today. I want to first start by just dialoguing around um, UBC and the why um, for UBC. When you talk about UBC, how do you, how do you address what, their, what the why is of the institution? Well, that's a great question. I'll just tell you just a, a little bit about, about UBC for those who may not know much about uh, the institution it's a pretty young university, just a little bit over a century old. But in that short period of time, 
uh, it's really grown uh, to being one of the largest and uh, I think one of the best ranked uh, global institutions. It's uh, a university that uh, is at about 80,000 individuals when everyone is on the two major campuses. It's an institution uh, that uh, has the fourth uh, largest medical school in North America. It's an institution that uh, uh, has an enormous amount of research underway uh, on in, in many different fields. And, and so uh, what it is, is it's an institution that um, uh, has a lot to give. Um, and uh, with uh, all of its uh, resources and its size and uh, the amount of research underway, um, it has a responsibility to, to give back, uh, not only to uh, the province where it's located, but also to the country uh, and to the rest of the world. So when you think about UBC, what role does it play in the global perspective? Um, because we believe that higher ed is beyond just the other borders that we live in today. How do you see the global perspective and how UBC plays a role globally? Well, UBC um, is a pretty comprehensive institution. Um, it has a pretty long history in biomedical research, but it also has a policy school uh, and uh, has uh, programs across every um, field of, of, of endeavor that you can find at almost any other institution. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same size as Ohio State University for those who are from, from the states to give you an idea of its size and breadth of activity. So um, just to give you a couple of examples of uh, things that it's doing on the world stage uh, that may be familiar uh, to, to people around the world. First, if you got the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine or the Moderna vaccine, uh, as you know, that's a new generation vaccine that uh, works uh, by using messenger RNA uh, instead of, let's say, a, a vector that uh, produces uh, a protein. But it's, it actually uses not a DNA or a viral vector, but it uses messenger RNA uh, to um, make a specific protein so you can be vaccinated against, say, the virus that causes uh, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. And so the reason why it works, because messenger RNA is very unstable, is that uh, it required a new kind of molecule, a nanoparticle, uh, to be invented that would latch on and protect that messenger RNA, which is very unstable, and to shuttle it across the cell membrane into the cell where it would make that protein. And that invention uh, really rests in, in two places. But the nanoparticle itself was invented at UBC by one of our professors called uh, Dr. Peter Cullis. And, uh, and so if you, if you were uh, you know, vaccinated with the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine, it relies upon that, that technology. So that's an example of how uh, the university is, as, as we speak, uh, currently playing a, a pretty important role in protecting the health and welfare of citizens around the world. Uh, but just to, if you take it far away from the biomedical space and the pandemic, as you know, uh, over a thousand uh, bodies of, um, of children who died at, in residential schools uh, in Canada, across Canada, uh, have been discovered over the past uh, several weeks. Um, and, um, you know, it's something that the, the nation is coming to grips with and is part of the colonial history of Canada. But uh, it's something, uh, truth and reconciliation, uh, the impact of colonialization, what's happened to 
uh, the native indigenous people, uh, not only north of the border here in Canada, but also south of the border with American Indians and indigenous people in, in Australia and in, in Japan, for example, it's something that has happened over and over over history. And so another field where UBC, uh, I believe, is excelling is really looking at um, how uh, society and how universities specifically uh, can shed uh, light on the truth of what happened. Uh, often, these stories, this part of our history that it's, it's uncomfortable for us to come to grips with, has been hidden. It's not taught uh, in our primary and secondary schools. It's not taught in our universities. It's not written about uh, because these are things that uh, we should be uh, shameful about. We sh- we, uh, but they're, they're truths that uh, have to come to the surface so that we can understand the history of what happened uh, during colonialization. Um, and uh, it's a necessary first step for reconciliation uh, between uh, the settlers who have actually moved into Canada and the U.S. and elsewhere and the Native people who have been li- living here for millennia and uh, the first step is to be truthful of what happened in, uh, in colonialization, but also what happened in residential schools. And so UBC uh, has a very forward-looking strategy uh, to bring to light uh, some of these uncomfortable truths uh, so that uh, uh, we can begin the process of healing our relationships with Indigenous people here in Canada, and hopefully as a model for uh, other similar stories elsewhere around the world. So that gives you two very different examples of of how I think UBC is playing a specific role in uh, serving uh, not only our local community, but people around the world. Yeah, that's really interesting. In our pre-mingle, Deborah, who's on the stage, was asking this question. Deborah, do you want to pose the question that you were asking us? Yeah, I mean, um, President Ono, I I was born in Vancouver, and you know, my family's there. My grandmother's, and she used to live in the Dunbar and I neighborhood. Now, go to the Pacific, you know, Spirit Park frequently, and and so I, you know, I'm quite curious about the whole um, the land endowment and the lease, you know, and and how that works, because you know, as you were saying about the First Nation, I've also got the opportunity to teach at one of the first nation reservation. And, and so I, you know, it's been fairly contentious and I, you know, how that also ties in of course to enrollment, but that's something else, but it just sounds like there's a very conscious awareness in how you've been, you know, in mindfulness and along with the museum of anthropology. So, um, yeah, so I'm just curious, like, and while you're acknowledging it, like, what are what are some of the I guess impact that UBC has done you know and and I guess that could be quantified or kind of shown over the last couple of years, especially since you've been president? That's a great question. Uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing is is very easy to find. Um, if you do a Google search, any of the listeners, um, and uh, type in the words Indigenous Strategic Plan and UBC. Uh, you will see uh, something that's been going on for over a decade. Uh, so I'd want to be very clear. It's not something that uh, began with me. Um, my predecessor's predecessor, Dr. Stephen Toop, who is now the vice chancellor of uh, Cambridge University in England, really uh, played a, a pivotal role in starting to shed a light on th- those things such as truth and reconciliation and also the internment of Japanese Canadians. He really had played an important role in beginning uh, these uh, difficult and challenging conversations and and really asking the question about 
what responsibility uh, UBC has in addressing these wrongs um, that either the university was directly involved in or um, didn't do enough uh, during uh, those periods of time uh, to address in the training of, for example, educators and, and thinking about public policy. So I want to make it very clear that this whole process began with, not with me, but uh, Dr. Stephen too. Uh, and and so we, for the longest time, had at that time what was called the Aboriginal Strategic Plan. We just launched uh, about a year ago uh, a new uh, Indigenous Strategic Plan. And you can see uh, all of the action steps, to your point, uh, that we are undertaking. Uh, and we're committed to this as an institution. It includes the Board of Governors and, and the entire institution. It was not a top-down exercise that I said we should do these things. It was something that uh, developed out of um, years of consultation. So uh, everything is spelled out there for the world to see in a very transparent way. And we're measuring our progress against uh, these uh, action steps and commitments on a regular basis. So it's easy to see what we're doing. It was launched in front of thousands of people virtually during this year. And, and we can talk a little bit more about that. In terms of the land, because uh, the Point Grey campus in Vancouver uh, is located on, on the unceded traditional territory of, of the Musqueam First Nation, um, during this entire period of time, uh, we have developed memorandum of understanding and uh, uh, we have uh, committed uh, in, in an increasing way to work uh, together with the Musqueam uh, First Nation to think about everything, about how we use our land, uh, what we name buildings and streets. Um, if you spend time on the campus, you will see that many of our buildings are actually named uh, using the traditional language of the Musqueam people. Um, our, our roads are uh, actually uh, reflect both. Uh, uh, names that uh, uh, honor members of our community, but also the Musqueam people. And we're right in the midst of thinking about how we work together on uh, this land that we are guests on. Uh, we're collaborating on, for example, you, you may be familiar with uh, the effort to extend uh, the Broadway SkyTrain uh, from uh, downtown Vancouver all the way uh, to UBC. And that's an uh, absolute collaboration um, with not only Musqueam, but also two other uh, First Nations. So we're talking about employment, we're talking about educational benefits uh, for uh, the Musqueam people, but also for other First Nations. So um, that's how, to, to answer your question, Deborah, that we're working together. Uh, we uh, believe uh, fervently that uh, we have a responsibility uh, to, to uh, Musqueam, but also to other First Nations, because we're on the unceded territory. Uh, that uh, they have lived on for, for millennia. Thank you so much. That was so well articulated. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we just don't know, right? We just we just see a university. It sits on a campus. We don't know all of the things that inherently has to be addressed and thought through. So I really appreciate uh, that dialogue. Cousin Ono was born in Vancouver, a graduate of University of Chicago with a, a bachelor's. He did get his PhD from McGill University. He is a president of a Canadian school. He was also a president of a U.S. school. So he brings this amazing perspective from both the U.S. as well as, as Canada. He was the 28th president of University of Cincinnati. And today he is the 15th president of University of British Columbia. 
This episode was recorded live on Clubhouse. Check us out at the Future X Tribe. It was produced by the Future X Tribe, Beyond Academics, and the Next Global Organization. Executive Director and Chief Moderator, Matt Alex. Edited by BNext Media. I'm Hector H. Lopez. We'll see you next time as we continue our discussions with the higher ed changemakers on the Future X podcast.